Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm so glad, always, when you are joining me and taking time to really hear and learn new things that help us to be healthier, happier, more mature people. Because remember, we want to be salt and light to the world. We want to look different than the world. We want to be something that people want to emulate. They want to say, we want to hear them say, what's different about that person? Why is that person so positive or strong or or um, have great virtue or is a courageous person, a moral person? And so we're wanting the world to be attracted to what Christ is doing in our life. So I'm always thankful that you are willing to listen to these shows and get some some good education. So we've been talking about the dilemma of change, and here we are the middle of the week, and we talked at length uh, on Monday about every loss has a gain, every gain has a loss, and what it means to really deal with the, the three types of changes that we have in the world and, and, and what we have to learn to deal with. And the first one is the change that we choose to do. We initiate it, which is the, many times the most uh, tolerable change. The second one is the inevitable change. That's the unavoidable one. That's the one that's, just, that's going to happen. And the easiest way to understand the inevitable change is your children are going to grow up, or at least they're going to physically get older, and we are going to age, and inevitably we are going to die at some point. And then the third change, which is the most difficult, is that change that is thrust upon us. Nobody asked our permission. We didn't have any choice in the matter. It was thrust on us. And that the greatest example of that is something like 9-11. Um, you've, you've come home from the doctor, you find out, when you thought you were perfectly healthy, that you have a terrible disease. And, and so these are the things that are, leave us first in shock. And, and so we talked about the idea yesterday of these, the ways that we handle, if we resist change and can't deal with loss, then we, we are then weaker people, more easily hurt, more suspicious, uh, more um, hypervigilant. And, and so we want to be a person of character and virtue and valiancy. And the better we handle the grief and loss process, the better we handle change, the healthier we are. If we don't, if we don't know how to manage it effectively, then we end up with defense mechanisms. And we talked about avoidance yesterday. We talked about control and resistance. And you know, an, a, another defense mechanism that is frequently used is that of aggression. And you, you might experience people that use this defense mechanism frequently. So they are easily offended. Um, they are, do a, a lot of emotional intimidation. You know, if, if you say to them, hey, that really hurt my feelings, then instead of them saying, wow, I didn't know that, or I'm glad you told me, 
they might get angry with you because you got hurt as a way to stop you from having that feeling so that they don't have to feel it, so that they don't have to deal with that loss or that change in their relationship. And so aggression is a very common defense mechanism. The next one is manipulation. And I'm sure you all are very familiar with manipulation and what it feels like to be manipulated. And a lot of times people that use this defense mechanism don't always know they're doing it. And they, it is a very, in many ways, a very subconscious issue. It's one that nobody wants to think of themselves as a manipulative person. But manipulation is, is a way to avoid pain. It's a way to say, I, I don't know how to deal with that, so I'm going to manipulate my way out of it. I'm going to manipulate what I need from you. I'm going to manipulate what you need from me. And so manipulation many times shows itself up with people that lie, steal, also then use other defense mechanisms like control. We have manipulation and control, manipulation and aggression frequently come together. And so the, the next one is dissociation. And, and this is a, a pretty serious defense mechanism, and it's a term in psychology that describes a wide array of experiences from either maldetachment from the immediate, their immediate surroundings to severe detachment from their physical body and emotional reality. It's really most commonly displayed on a continuum, but the major characteristics of all dissociative phenomenon involves this detachment from reality. And, and in mild cases, dissociation can be regarded as just a coping skill, a defense mechanism, but in seeking to master or minimize or tolerate stress is the reason that this occurs. It's my body is here, but I don't want to be here. I might dissociate from my feelings because I, I don't know how to handle anger. I don't know how to handle sadness, hurt, disappointment. So I might dissociate from certain um, situations. Uh, you know, and so part of what happens with this is that this defense mechanism really causes us, again, to be weaker. Because the more unwilling I am in the moment to experience my life, which is what dissociation is, is I, I'm not present in my life, the more, the, the more uh, like negative things that can happen. Because if I'm not showing up in my own life, then I'm not in control of things that I would otherwise be in control of. And I end up trying to control things I can't control. So a uh, next one, this is seven. This would be intellectualizing. And many times, uh, therapists will be confrontational with clients about intellectualizing. And this is when they don't want to feel their feelings, so all they do is problem solve. And they seek so much information and so much to understand something because they don't know how to accept it. And then the last one is numbing. And you may have experienced this yourself. Everybody experiences this to one degree or another. Many times numbing comes with dissociation. Numbing comes with intellectualizing. And numbing is, you might ask the person, well, how, how's it, how do you feel? How does that make you feel? And they say, I don't feel anything. I don't, I don't know what I feel. 
And that has a lot to do with if I don't know how to feel negative feelings, then I end up not being able to feel positive ones either. So I'm void of feelings. I'm numb. So the goal for coping with stress and loss is associated with change. Is to really successfully integrate the change and the loss process through understanding how to do grief. How do I manage loss? So that I don't do these defense mechanisms. So what is the grief and loss process? Well, this was developed by a woman, um, a, a psychiatrist. Her name is Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She is from Switzerland. And she discovered this through the process of working with cancer patients. And she saw them go, each person, as they appropriately dealt with cancer and the inevitable death that, because the patients that she, she had were terminal. They were much healthier, and she saw the stages that they went through to manage grief and loss. And it also helped her to help the families as they had to go through the grief and loss process of the loved one dying. And so the first one that happens to people when there's a, a, a great loss is shock. We're just in shock. The second one is denial. So shock and denial are very close to one another, and they happen very quickly. The denial is, this can't be possible. This isn't possible. It's not happening. I know it's not true. I know it's not true. Those types of feelings that say, I cannot take that in. So if we're not careful, if we're unwilling to do the grief, then that shock and denial can create numbing and dissociation. So we go shock, denial. The third, the third step is bargaining. And this is where we do the coulda, shoulda, woulda, if only then. We keep thinking of how, it, how we could have made sure it didn't happen, how we could change it, how we can undo it. And this is where a, a lot of the um, defense mechanisms of intellectualizing or control come in, manipulation come in, if we don't do this in a healthy way. The next one is anger. And this is a natural feeling when you have to manage a big or deep or profound loss. That you're furious, angry, that, that, this per that you lost this person. Or that this person that you, that you, that you loved took their life. Or the person that, that you loved that was working through an addiction got a DUI. And it's this anger of this didn't have to happen, which is part of the bargaining and denial issue. And so the anger is very exhausting many times. And so what happens is people then go into mourning, sadness. And this is where we actually feel the grief. The problem is sadness and mourning is a very... Um, that that feeling that that feeling state has no energy to it. Anger has energy. Bargaining has energy. Denial takes energy. Shock has energy. And so people struggle with actually feeling the mourning and sadness that they need to feel 
when that loss is occurred, has occurred. And the last one is, when we're done with that whole entire grief and loss process, we find ourselves at acceptance and forgiveness. Now here's, here's the deal with the grief and loss process. You have to understand that we don't necessarily always do it in a linear fashion. And we don't accomplish one and, and go naturally to the next, the next level. What happens is we usually um, recycle through these. So I'll be in denial, and then I'll do bargaining, and then I'm sick of doing bargaining, so now I get mad, then I get sad, then I get mad because I'm sad, and then I go back to bargaining. Maybe I'm even back in denial sometimes before I can ever really land in acceptance. And many times we come to acceptance, and then depending on how large the loss is, I might have to go back and do more of that grief and loss process. So I arrive at acceptance, and then I find out that, man, I'm still angry about this. And, and the, the greater the loss, the longer this process is. So I give clients this, um, this analogy of it, it's, it's, similar, it's similar to, let me, I'll, I'll give you a short version of the grief and loss process. I'm driving to work, and I miss the light, which is going to make me a couple of minutes late to my office. So at first, I hit that yellow light, and, I'm, I'm, and I slam on the brakes, and I'm like in shock. Then I'm denying it. I cannot believe I missed that light. And then I start the bargaining. You know, if those drivers would have gone you know, a little bit faster, if they weren't, you know, just you know, slowing down and, and not paying attention, we all could have made it through the light, right? And so I start bargaining. Well, if I could have done this, I should have done that. Then I would have made, I made, made it through the light. Then I just get mad. I'm like, I can't believe this happened. This is so stupid. This should never have happened. I should have made that light. And then I'm, then I'm really, then I'm bummed about it. And I'm like, oh, whatever. And I come to acceptance. And I get to acceptance within whatever, two minutes, and then the light turns green, and I move on. So that's a small loss, but I still have to go through each one of those steps. Now, if it's a major loss, you have to think about, this is similar to, the, the greater the loss, the harder it is for us to integrate that loss. And what that means is that if I have the loss of a loved one, that's similar to the cereal aisle in Safeway. The loss of that missing the light going to work is similar to a slice of apple. I can consume that really quickly, right? But the greater the loss, the longer a time it takes me to consume the loss so that it is integrated into me and I am bigger than the loss. So I know this is kind of abstract, but what I want you to think about is if, I, if, I have to, if I've lost a child, that loss is so big, it is like the cereal aisle in Safeway, one bite at a time. It might take me years, years, because the first year is just experiencing life and, and all the poignant moments without 
that person if that's the loss. The second year is now actually learning how to live again. But I have to go through the first year of all those events without that person. And then the second year, the third year, the fourth year, the fifth year, I learned to do those events without that person. And I learned to find joy in spite of it. So I came across this wonderful um, little poem. And this is what it says. It says, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chattered all the way. She left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and ne'er a word said she, but oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. So we want to really remind ourselves the power of the grief and loss process and really being able to understand how to, how to deal with change. Because every change has a loss. And going, being able to manage that loss is what helps us to be deeper people, stronger people, healthier people. If we do any of those defense mechanisms and we resist the grief and loss process, we then usher in a whole new set of problems and more grief and loss. If we won't go through the grief and loss process, we can never arrive in joy. We can never find joy again. So when you think about the, the issue of the, the caterpillar and the process the caterpillar goes through to be able to fly, and you, you may have heard the story of the, the gentleman who had saw a cocoon and he saw the caterpillar struggling to get out of the cocoon and, and fighting and fighting to get out of it and he felt sorrow for it and, and some, you know, sadness for it and he opened up the cocoon for that little cow caterpillar to get out. Well, what happens is all the enzymes that have to be um, ignited in those in order to be able for the wings to develop only happen when that caterpillar fights to get out of the cocoon. So what he ended up having to see was the stunted growth of this caterpillar that never got off the ground and died because he wasn't allowed to go through that metamorphosis, that process. So we don't want that process to be stolen from us. And we don't want to resist that process because that's part of what God wants us to be able to do is to fly, to really experience this world for all it has, no matter, even though it's fallen, God wants us to experience all the good things he has for us. But in order to handle good things, we have to be strong people. And to be a strong person means I'm able to manage change and the grief and loss process. And so I'm sure you've heard the serenity prayer before, but I'm going to read it in its entirety because usually we only hear a little portion of it. 
So this says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. The wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time. Accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. Taking as he did this world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. And the gentleman that wrote this prayer is called Reinhold Niebuhr, and he wrote this in 1926. And this is one of the things that is really the, the most beautiful part of this prayer is living one day at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. And this, one, this next line is very important. Taking as he did this world as it is, not as I would have it. And see, that's the understanding of accepting what I can't change and changing what I can. And when I accept the things I can't change, that's the pathway to peace. And this next part, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will. That I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. So I, I love this idea of the pathway to peace and that it is done through the grief and loss process and the willingness to accept change, be able to manage change, not resistant to change or controlling change or manipulating, the, manipulating your way out of the change, being aggressive as a way to resist it, disassociating from it, intellectualizing the whole process, that this helps us to be people that are, are very flexible, which, you know, we, we've talked before about the fact, you know, the drunk driver always survives the crash, right? Because he's not bracing himself through the whole entire crash. So the flexibility piece comes with acceptance, comes with this idea of going through the grief and loss process. So I come out on the other side someone of a, a person of peace I've made peace with my life peace with my world peace with the people in my world this is part of being salt and light in the world this is how we, we make sure that the world doesn't break us because the flexibility piece comes with my acceptance that I accept the things I can't change and I change the things that I can. And I'm willing to know the difference. And it's imperative for us to do this, especially if we're going to be interacting with humans because humans are going to let us down. So join me tomorrow because we are going to talk about what are some blocks to grieving? What gets in the way of our, our, us being unable to grieve? Thank you for joining me today. I want you to have a great rest of your day. God bless you. 
Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and all the social media that we have available for you. And thank you to my producer, Jeremy, who I'm committed to thanking because he does such amazing work. Have a great day. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.